Deer found her. As you know, there's no blueprint for entrepreneurship. You wear so many hats, you burn the midnight oil, you pour your heart and soul into everything that you do. But without a doubt, the journey is worth every single second that you put into it. I'm Lindsay Pinchuk, host of the Deer Found Her podcast. I say this because I've lived it for over a decade. I started my first company with $500 in my pocket and a baby in my belly. I grew it and I sold it all. This podcast is my weekly letter to you. We'll talk all things starting, growing, nurturing, and in some cases, even selling a business. Together with some of my closest contacts, I'm here to help you find your own success, whatever that means to you. The ride as a founder is the ride of your life. So come on in and join me for another episode that will get you one step closer to reaching your own founder goals. Welcome back to Dear Founder. I'm so excited to be back with you for another amazing conversation with another incredible guest. I'm your host, Lindsay Pinchuk, and I wanted to share a little something personal before we get into today's episode. I just came back from visiting my hometown just outside of Detroit in the suburbs where I grew up. And as I drove my daughters past my high school, they started to ask me questions about my time there and activities that I did and classes I took. And they couldn't believe that I went to that school that I was showing them and driving past. It seemed so big to them. And yet when I when we were driving past, it seemed so small to me. But I got to sharing with them that I was the editor-in-chief of my high school newspaper. And you know, at that moment in time, in 1997, I very much thought and believed that I would one day be a journalist. While my career took a detour, I I still worked in the magazine publishing industry, but on the business side before I started my first company. And it was during my time at Bump Club and Beyond that I truly loved nothing more than the interviews I conducted and the information that I shared with the millions of parents who interacted with our community every single month. Which leads me to today, I've known for a long time that I wanted to start a podcast, and here we are. While I'm not a journalist in the sense that I had imagined in 1997, I am living the life of a journalist right here, and it's even better than I had thought. Hosting Dear Found Her twice a week is truly a dream come true. Hopping on this mic and talking to you guys and sharing some of the most powerful stories from some of the most amazing female founders and supporters thereof is one of the greatest gifts I have ever been given. And helping so many of these founders and so many of you to grow your businesses is truly the cherry on top. So thank you for tuning in. I know that you have so many choices of podcasts to listen to, but I am so grateful that you're here. If today's conversation inspires you, I want you to share it with a friend. Share it on social media. You can tag me. I'll for sure come and say hi. Leave us a review on Apple. Subscribe to the show. All of these conversations that we have here are so amazing and so important for as many people to hear as possible. And when you do little things like leaving a review or sharing the episode, it helps the show to get discovered. It helps to spread the knowledge and wisdom we share right here, and it helps our community to grow. But most important, it helps my mission which is to support as many female founders and entrepreneurs as I possibly can through this podcast and through all of my platforms. So once again, I'm so grateful that you're here. Your support means the world to me. Today, we're talking about a part of business I didn't realize was so important as a founder until it fell into my lap. Public relations. 
About a year into starting my first company, two amazing moms approached me and shared with me that they were starting a PR firm. They asked me if I wanted to be their first client, and they told me they would get me on TV as an expert and help to legitimize my business. I said, okay. And guess what? They made good on that promise. At the time, I didn't realize what proper press coverage could do for my business. But over time, as the press coverage grew, so did our business, which included our authority in the parenting space. A very important factor for brands who wanted to work with us, parents who wanted to be a part of our community, was that they could trust us. And the press coverage that Bump Club and Beyond and myself as the founder was receiving through the actions of my publicist were really putting us on the map in a way I had, one, never thought possible, and two, had never really thought of. Eventually, I landed over 300 TV segments. Yep, 300 TV segments before I left Bump Club and Beyond. And that included national placements on um, Access Hollywood and The Doctors. I had also been interviewed many times by the press as an expert, including Time Magazine, The Wall Street Journal, Parents, Chicago Tribune, and dozens more. The credibility that this amount of press brought my company and me as a founder was unprecedented. Today, I'm beyond excited to talk to a fellow female founder who knows a thing or two about public relations for business, Annie Scranton, who's the founder of Pace PR. The tips that our guest is going to provide you today about garnering publicity for you or your brand is like no other interview we have had yet on Dear Founder. You are truly going to walk away with some steps that you can take no matter what stage of your business to take your business to the next level through the press coverage and public relations practice that you pursue in order to, le- to, in order to really take your business to the next step. Since Annie started Pace PR as a solopreneur in 2010, her company has grown out of her student studio, out of her studio apartment in New York City, with one employee who is herself, into a multi-million dollar business with more than forty clients spanning the globe, and ten employees in multiple office locations. She's loved the journey and enjoys working with all of her colleagues and clients, even if it's remotely for right now. This interview was was um, given to me a few months back, so. Um, That is why we said that, and that is why that is in the introduction. But I do want to say that the information that Annie shares in today's episode is timeless, and it is so important as a founder to understand the importance of proper publicity and press coverage and what it can do for your business. So please come on in and meet Annie Scranton. All right, today on Dear Founder, we have Annie Scranton from Pace PR, and her story is incredible. Like, so many of the ones that we share here, obviously. Um, Annie started her PR firm from her studio apartment in New York City and now has a giant public relations agency. It, it is multi-million dollars. She has many employees, and you are going to be blown away by her story. So, Annie, welcome to Dear Found Her. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. And just like I always do, I would love for you to take us back and tell us how it got started. 
Sure. So I was in my seventh year or so of um, working as a TV news booker. So I was a producer who was responsible for finding the great guests who would go on and be interviewed by my anchor. So I worked at a lot of the different networks um, early in my career, Fox News, CNN, Good Morning America, The Today Show. And when I was um, 28, Eight, I was working at a show on CNBC that got canceled. And um, I found myself very suddenly without a job, without much of a safety net. Um, so I sent an email out to everyone in my network and just said, the show I'm working on just got canceled and I need a job. If you have any suggestions, please let me know. And a publicist who I had worked with frequently booking his guests on, on the show I was on, um, email me back. And he said, I don't think you have any formal PR training. However, I have a client. He's a broker. He just wrote a book on the markets. If you could get him booked on any show on CNBC, I'll pay you 500 bucks. And I said, all right, well, send me his info. Let me take a look. So he sent me the info. He looked good. I sent his info to my friend who was a booker um, uh, for and the day side unit. And she wrote me right back and said, oh my God, he looks great. Can he come on tomorrow? And that was kind of my light bulb moment where I realized, okay, I could actually be on the other side of the equation and probably be successful at it because I had worked at so many networks and knew so many different producers. So I had that access. So that's kind of where the idea was formed. Um, I got offered a full-time job literally the next day at HLN, CNN Sister Network. And I accepted, but I kept doing the PR stuff on the side. And I kind of double dipped for about a year and a half and then officially went out on my own. Um, and that was 12 years ago. So tell us where Pace PR is today. We are headquartered in New York City. Um, we have a staff of 20. We have more than 40 clients. Um, as you mentioned, we are a multi-million dollar company and growing. We're one of those businesses that the pandemic was oddly very good to us, you know, after we got through the initial scary times. Um, we've we've continued to grow. Um, our main focus is media relations. So we partner with our clients to understand their goals and then help them achieve those goals via really compelling and meaningful press placements. So we work in traditional media. So we pitch our clients to broadcast television, streaming TV, radio, podcast, newspapers, magazines, and of course, the many, many digital outlets and websites um, that there are. And you know, we believe that those media placements help our clients to, um, you know, sort of lift up their credibility and legitimacy, but it can also help them in myriad other ways. If they are looking to raise funding or to maybe exit their company, or they're looking for unique partners or, you know, um, there's a lot of doors that sort of just being in the media can open because it still holds that, that cachet that, advertising or marketing just doesn't do. If you're featured in the New York Times or you're on the Today Show or you're on CNN, you're going to automatically just appear to be so you know, impressive um, that it really does help in that sort of like overall brand awareness. You bring up such a good point because I'm asked all the time how 
I've gotten the media placements that I've gotten and and what they've done for me. Right. And it's like, I think a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs, you know, often think like, oh, I have to get on TV, like to be out in the world, basically. Like it's, they don't understand what you just said, which is the credibility and the authority, like going on, being in the Wall Street Journal or being on CNN or even WGN, you know, and a local ABC, mm-hmm. Fox affiliate carries so much more clout from a trust and authority standpoint than like a random blog that you might get placed on. And it's, you know, so I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that because press comes up a lot amongst this community and like how to get it and and why I need it. And <laughs> I think it's a, an amazing investment. And I mean, it has put me on the map in so many areas and, and people see me on like on the news and, and whatnot. And then they approach me for various other things. They engage me for my yeah. client services, you know? Yeah. If you're, I mean, specifically, I think when we're talking about broadcast television, people just think if they look up and they see someone they know on TV, it just has most people just have this reaction of being so impressed of being like, oh my God, she's a genius. She's on TV. This is amazing. She must be the absolute best in whatever it is her field that she is doing. Um, and that may or may not be true, but you know, we're talking about optics here, right? And it TV is the most difficult of all of the traditional mediums to achieve, to get that press placement in. Um, so it is the hardest. And so therefore it's the most competitive. And so if you can make it on, you are sort of in this more elite echelon. Um, but it it just it just has that legitimacy and credibility factor where many of our clients will put their TV clip right on front and center on their homepage on their website, and I've had many many clients say to me that um, when they're doing their own new business meetings, someone will say to them, "Oh, and I watched your clip on CNN or the Today Show, and you know that's what made me call you. You know that's what made me." It's also a way to see how. The person talks, how they interact, how their brain works, you know, when they're kind of thinking on their feet. Um, so I think that it's an incredible tool for opening up those doors. It's really hard to get on TV and it's really hard to get press placements on your own. It, it's hard for us, but it's really hard if you do it on your own for a number of reasons. The first being is that if you're pitching yourself to a producer, you're you're going to automatically be in one category versus if a PR agency is pitching you, you're you're taken a little more seriously. You know, you know that you have the investment to be made there. Second, this is what I do for a living. So, you know, you're over here running your business how can I expect you to also be an expert in how to pitch yourself or how to make relationships with the journalist? So we kind of take that time aspect because it takes a lot of time and effort um, in our process. And then number three is just, you know, we come with built-in connections. So it makes it a lot easier, but also we consume the news and the media for a living. Um, so we understand how to pitch our clients to get the greatest level of success. So what I mean by that is you may have 
an opening or, you know, a new launch of something that you find to be really, really trustworthy. And maybe it is, but if I'm pitching you to a morning show, well, maybe it's better if I pitch it in the context of it being a trend or aligning you as a subject matter expert on a news story. Um, you know, so we just know how to position our clients in a way that's going to achieve their goals, but that's also going to work for the producer on the receiving end. Talk a little bit about the importance of a credible source because, you know, not all, not all video segments, TV segments, press press placements are created equal. And I found that when I started getting national press and to your point was able to put the logos of Time Magazine and Wall Street Journal and Media Post and you know, when I was able to put those on my website and on my marketing materials, it really upped my game in terms of my credibility. And I think it's just really important for people to know and understand the importance of the source of the news. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it really helps. It helps that no matter what stage you're at in your business, but if you're a startup and and you get recognized by USA Today or, you know, a local morning show or a really big podcast or NPR, um, you know, those are, those are real journalists, real reporters who aren't getting paid to write about you or your product. You know, they're, they're doing their due diligence in terms of sort of vetting you and looking into your services or your product, whatever it is. And it's going to automatically let the person on the receiving end know, oh, okay, well, I really trust USA Today and they trust this product. So I'm going to, I feel good about it. It's like, you know, whenever I have to buy a gift for somebody, I always Google like top gifts for my husband or whatever. And I'll go to a, a website that I trust like New York Magazine or L or whatever the case may be. So I do think that um, that can help a lot. But when you're, you have, you know, mid-sized companies or larger companies, they might be looking, you know, for um, to be acquired, you know, or they may be in the process of IPOing, and to just have sites like the Wall Street Journal or CNBC that investors and people who are going to be really instrumental in those decisions um, are consuming and reading. When those types of clients go to their pitch meetings, you know, and whatever, and they can show a portfolio of work that shows, don't just take our word for it. The Wall Street Journal called us, you know, one of the hottest companies to invest in. Game over. It's going to change the trajectory of their of their future. So, what would you tell a founder? And I do. I want to get into your background. I have all these questions about your background. <laughs> this this conversation really just kind of took a, a early turn, but. Um, what would you tell a founder who has never had PR, never hired representation, you know, maybe doesn't have a huge budget for PR? Like where, where should they start? Um, I would say a couple things. Number one, look into trade press. So every industry has their own trade press. I work in the field of public relations. There's PR News is a website, a newsletter that only public relations professionals read. There's that for every single industry. So go online, Google, whatever your industry is and trade press, and you're going to find some outlets. Start there by trying to make introductions and connections because that's going to be a much, much easier lift and um, an article or interview for you to secure. I would also think about local media. So if you're in Chicago, target local Chicago media. If you're in Miami, do the same there. 
And again, there's tools that publicists use, but you don't need this if you're trying to do it on your own, your own simple Google search, you know, um, and, and go on LinkedIn for sure and try to find people regionally. Um, and then something also to consider is um, press from where you grew up. Um, you know, a lot of newspapers will want to do like, you know, a hometown hero or like, you know, a success story of somebody who grew up in the area that can be an easier lift. Um, and don't forget about also your, um, your alumni magazine or publication. Um, it's all about just like building up the different, um, outlets to amass this body of work. That's going to really show your, your credibility, you know, and your, and your legitimacy. If someone wants to hire an agency or representation, what would you say are some best practices or things to look out for? Um, I think that PR is a very personalized decision um, because in the t- in what we do, there are no guarantees. You know, as an agency, we have an amazing track record. You know, we always we always get it done for our clients. But as I mentioned, we're pitching real reporters. We, we, we can't guarantee that a journalist is going to 100% want to write about what we're pitching them. Um, so to really understand that and feel really comfortable and like you have as much trust as you can with a publicist as possible. Um, I would definitely just ask about their experience, either working with startups or working with founders or wherever you're at and ask them for case studies, you know, and, and what kind of media they envision, um, that they would be able to, um, to secure for you. And then just make sure you really understand the process because we are more successful when our clients give us a lot of good material and collateral to work with. And it does take a bit of time, you know, on our clients. And so you want to make sure that you really clearly understand what are going to be the expectations on your end. So that way you can make your PR firm be as successful as possible. Today's episode is brought to you by Hivecast, an amazing agency providing high-quality podcast production made simple and affordable. I hit the jackpot when I came across Hivecast as I pieced together services from contractors all over the web initially to help me with my podcast. Hivecast was everything that I needed all in one place. For just $500 per month, they not only produce and edit four episodes, but they also create the marketing assets. Emma, my account manager, is amazing, making sure that I'm on task and that we can schedule episodes regularly and by my deadlines. Honestly, the time saved working with Hivecast is worth at least triple what I'm paying. Their sister company, Fireside, offers other marketing services for small businesses, including social media management, Facebook and Instagram ads, search engine marketing, and so much more. Again, all at a rate palatable by a small business owner. The best part, there's no contract. You can purchase their services as needed on a monthly basis. Use the code FOUNDHER and save 50% off your first month of services. Give them a try. The decision to outsource this part of my business has surely saved me a ton in the long run, and it was the best decision I've made for my business. All right, so I want to go back now and talk about you because this is all such great advice, like really and truly. And I know... I, I, just so you know, I'm asked on a regular basis, like who are some good PR agencies or from some freelancers or, you know, people ask me all the time for my, um, my two cents and for my recommendation and my referral, uh, because it's really uncharted territory for so many entrepreneurs and founders, right? Like so many, and like, especially like when I first started bump club, for example, I was approached by 
someone who was starting an agency and they were like, can you be like, I'll take you on as my first client for like a really little amount of, you know, and they did amazing work for me. It was, but I didn't know. I didn't even know I needed that. And they were the ones who got me on my first, you know, TV shows. But I think it's just a very, if you haven't been in it, it's really hard to navigate it, to be honest. You know what I mean? From like a PR standpoint, but I want to go back to talking about a couple of things that you said at the top of this interview. Um, the first thing that you said that is very thematic here at your founder is that you sent an email to everyone you knew. Uh-huh. And that is my number one piece of advice to all founders when they're starting. And you'd be shocked by how many people don't send that email. And I want you to reiterate the importance of letting people know what it is you're doing when you're starting, whether it's through, you know, through the formal representation or really just simply sending out that email because that email catapulted your business. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you have to let people know who you are and what you're doing. Um, and, and I think also just, you know, like one big email blast is great and should definitely be done, but you know, we are in the era of social media. You should really be posting about it. And then also trying to make as many individual outreaches and connections as possible. Um, you know, I think peop- a lot of times clients come to us and they say, oh, I'm so great at promoting other people, but I'm not great at promoting myself. And I I get that. I, I do understand that. But you have to get over it um, and just and, and put it out there because if you don't, you're going to be missing opportunities. So my advice would be to set aside a certain amount of time every week, whether it's five minutes, 30 minutes, whatever, and put it on your calendar and say, for this 30 minutes, I am going to look up two people that I can email or message on LinkedIn, or I'm going to create a post about what I'm doing or something. And I'm going to, and every week I'm going to spend that time putting myself out there. Um, if you don't, if you don't invest in that time and in that process, um, you know, no one's going to come running to help you if they don't know what you're what you're doing um and not like you need help but you have to there's so many startups there's so much noise there's so much competition um you have to really invest in that process in order to be successful and i always say too that like when you email everyone you know that's the low hanging fruit i mean these are the people that know you they, right. like, they will help you, you know, right? Like they believe in you already, but if you don't tell them what you're doing to your point, they're not going to be able to help you. Exactly. And I think you could do like a blanket email and then maybe you want to do a follow-up a week or two later that's much more personalized and targeted, you know, where you spend you spend a few minutes going through one person's LinkedIn connections and saying, oh, you know, I'd love an introduction to so-and-so, or, you know, I saw that you recently did X and I was thinking maybe we could partner or collaborate on Y, you know, it's like put it out there in a blanket way and then follow up in a really targeted, personalized way that shows that you've spent some time thinking, thinking it through. Yeah. The other thing that you said that is very thematic here at Dear Founder is that you double dipped for a little bit. Uh And that is something that a lot of entrepreneurs and founders do um, as they're getting ready to kind of cut the cord from corporate America and take the leap. What was that moment for you? When did you decide, okay, I'm I'm cannot do 
live these two lives anymore. It's hard. <laughs> it's very hard. Yeah. Um, and wait, I want to point out too, this was not an era that you were doing this when like we were working from home all the time, right? Like no, you were going no, to an I office. Was, I was in the office five days a week. Um, yeah, I, you know what? Well, a couple things happened. Number one, I was making as much money with my side hustle as I was in my full-time gig. So I was like, all right, I, you know, the, the double, double salary is nice, but I don't need it to survive, you know? And I had been able at that point to put a little bit away in a nest egg. So I knew, okay, I'm not going to be just like totally fall on my face if things don't work out. So that happened. And then number two, I mean, I, you know, my, in my specific case, Working in TV news can be a really thankless job. Um, I had a fantastic experience and I had amazing bosses and mentors and colleagues, but it's a grind because it's news and news never ends. And so, you know, if I worked till midnight because there was a breaking news story or I booked an incredibly difficult guest, I didn't get a bonus. I didn't get paid overtime. I didn't see any of that. Um, But I saw that in my business, the harder I worked was directly related to making more money, you know, and getting referrals and more success. Um, And that really invigorated me. So it wasn't like there was one specific thing that happened, but I just said, you know what? It's like, it's literally now or never. I was 30. And I just said, I'm going to just, I'm just going to try it and see what happens. Um, And I felt pretty confident that if I needed to go back to TV, TV news was still always going to be there. I would probably be able to find another job. Um, But, you know, it wound up being the absolute best decision I ever made. And you never looked back? No. No, I mean, once for me, once I started working for myself, that was it. There was no, you know, I mean, and I will say, I work still to this day, 12 years later, infinitely harder than I ever did early in my career in TV news, you know, like infinitely harder. I work more hours, you know, I've, I've, I've uh, just more, more stress, more, you know, more to manage all that stuff, but there's great, great upside as well. Um, because, you know, you're really building something and you're creating something. And for me, that just wound up being something that I didn't even know I would be passionate about, but it turned out to be a real passion of mine. And you're doing it on your own terms. Yeah, exactly. I mean, listen, it's, it's hard. I mean, you know, like it's easy to do things on your own terms when it's just you and you're just starting out and like whatever, you know, now there's 20 of us, you know, there's so many moving parts, but I'm really grateful that I have really strong executive leadership, um, to really amazing SVPs under me who, who've taken a big part in, in running, in running the business with me. Um, but yeah, it's, so it's rewarding, but it's not without its challenges as well. So you talked about your 20 person team and we were just talking about when to cut the cord. When did you know when it was time to hire and like a, a person and someone to help you. And what was that person? Because I think making that not that first hire is probably the biggest deal for many entrepreneurs. It's like, who do I hire? What are they going to do for me? And oh shit, now I have to pay someone. You know what I mean? So it's just, it's, it's like a whole like mind mess. Right. So what was, what did that look like? I, for you? It was probably 
at least a year and a half, maybe even two years in um, before I hired somebody. Um, and so for the for that first year and a half or so, you know, I. I really worked like 12 hours a day every single day, you know, um, but I loved it. So it was fine. You know, I did, I wasn't, I wasn't mad about it. Um, but what for me, the moment was when I realized that I was not performing as well as I would like to be performing, um, coupled with, okay, I got a lot of extra money here. You know, if I make an entry level higher and I figured out, okay, every other week, what's this going to cost me? Um, I, I felt confident that I could that I could take that on. Now I didn't hire somebody under a contract or anything like that. It's an it's an at will employee, right? Um, the guy that I hired, Andrew, he we, we it was just sort of like we met. He was looking for something new, you know. He was looking to make a change in his career, um, and I was looking to hire somebody and it just kind of came together, you know, in a way that, um, that, that was organic, um, and worked out. So that, that was how it's really like when, but I, I probably could have hired somebody sooner, but somebody told me, gave me a piece of advice when I was starting out that most entrepreneurs fail within the first year because they spend too much money. And so I was just a psycho about not spending any money. You know, I in the PR agency when it was just me, I worked from my house and my only overhead was my internet, my laptop and my phone and that was literally it. So there was no outgoing cost. Um so I really really waited until I felt totally comfortable that I would have enough money that may not work for everybody, but that was, and I'm still really cautious about hiring, you know, cause I don't ever want to get too ahead of myself. What's important to you when you hire for your company? Somebody who's curious, somebody who will get interested about a lot of different things because we are a generalist firm. We have crypto clients, we have climate sustainability, we have fitness brands, you know, we represent authors, we have political pundits. Um, most people eventually fall into one sort of category that they more or less, um, you know, operate in. But I want somebody who's just who who consumes a lot of news, who reads a lot, who's curious about different trends and just meeting people. Um, it's got to have good writing skills. I mean, that's also like not you know um, extremely important because the way we pitch is all over email. Um, so those those would be the most Im- important. Um, and somebody who just wants to keep learning, you know, and wants to keep growing. So obviously word of mouth is huge in terms of you getting new clients, but how would, I mean, you have a huge reputation, you have a stellar reputation and you have amazing clients on your roster, but what do you feel is the the number one way as a service-based business that you do get clients and how has that changed over the course of time? Yeah, it's absolutely through referrals, uh, you know, is that is the lion's share of how we get new clients. Um, when I first started out, it was word of mouth from me. I I was you know I was I was going to events every time. Every time I was in the green room when I was still working in TV, I would mention it to people. I would put it out there, you know. Um, so I so and I was pretty shameless about it, you know, about plugging myself. Um, but I think in a service industry, if you do a good job, people will refer you. Um, because if I do a good job for my client and then they post an interview that they got on their social media, 
someone's going to be like, how did you get that? Who are you working with? You know, and if they're happy with us, they, they will refer, they will refer you. Um, so now that same theory is definitely true. Um, but we also get new clients, um, through, me going on podcasts or speaking opportunities. Um, I'm pretty regular about just posting on LinkedIn, you know, and putting myself out there on social media, Um, still attending a lot of events and conferences, you know, and meeting people and networking that way. Um, And then sometimes when there's a really great client who we have a really positive and open relationship with, you know, we might have more of a targeted conversation, you know, about a referral program um, through their network as well. So it's really just leveraging all of our connections as much as possible. All of the stuff that I say over and over, and I love that you're reinforcing it. So (laughs) thank you. No, but it's so true. You know, and I think a lot of times we need to hear it many times before it sinks in. And it doesn't matter how big your company is. You, when you were one person, now you're 20 people, whether you're, you know, less than a million dollars and now multi-million dollars, the same principles still hold true in terms of how to get business and what's important. It doesn't matter. Those things don't change. Your network is still important. Your communication skills, you putting yourself out there. Those are all such important principles that you just can't lose sight on no matter how busy you are growing your business, um, really and truly. So Annie, tell me last but not least, this is the the last question that I ask everyone. What are three actionable tips that you would give to an entrepreneur who's starting out right now? Make sure you have a really solid website that is in line with and has the same logo and messaging on all of your social media. Make sure you have retained a really smart lawyer and bookkeeper and financial consultant um, to help you make sure above all else, your, your, the money part and all the legal stuff is, is buttoned up. Um, and number three, make sure you truly are really passionate about what you're doing and you are prepared to jump in with both feet and work really, really hard because if you're not a hundred percent in, you're not going to, you're not going to have the level of success that you hope to achieve. Annie Scranton, founder of Pace PR. Thank you so much for joining me today and having this conversation and sharing your knowledge and wisdom and talking about the press, which is something that comes up time and time again here in the Dear Founder community. I so appreciate you and your time. Thank you for having me. Of course. So I told you you'd walk away with a ton of information from today's conversation. Have you? Have you been taking notes? There were so many takeaways from Annie. And as always, I'll be sending them to my entire email list. So make sure that you subscribe. The link is in the show notes. When you do, you'll also get a lesson every single week to help you grow your own business. But for now, here are the top five takeaways from today's episode. Are you ready? Number one, TV is the most difficult of all the mediums to get placement. It is the hardest and the most competitive, but it gives you legitimacy and credibility that no other medium can achieve for you. Number two, it's hard to get press placements on your own. When you have a publicist, you are taken a bit more seriously by producers. PR people are experts and can help you to land the press you want in less time than you can doing it on your own. Number three, 
When you're first starting, if you don't have a giant budget, a couple of tips from Annie include, look into the trade press. Every industry has trades, find them and start there. Make introductions and connections there. It's probably an easier article to secure when you're starting out. Look at local media. You can find them via Google or LinkedIn. Also look at the press from where you grew up. Hometown publications and alumni magazines, they definitely wanna share your story. All of these ideas will help you build up your portfolio of articles to help you land even bigger placements later on. Number four, when you're hiring a PR firm or a publicist, you wanna ask about their experience working with founders and startups when you're hiring them. You wanna ask them for case studies, ask them what kind of media they envision being able to secure for you. You wanna ask them what the process is for working with clients to ensure success. And ultimately, you wanna ask them what their expectations are of you so that you could help them to be successful. And number five, you wanna put time on your calendar every week to promote yourself and put yourself out there. Again, make sure you sh- make sure that you subscribe to my e-newsletter because I'll be sending out more takeaways from Annie later this week. Thank you so much for joining us here today. Again, if you like what you're hearing, please make sure you take out your phone, scroll all the way down, click that five-star rating or leave a review so that others can find us and our amazing guests and their stories that we share here. We have some incredible, incredible guests coming up. You're going to also want to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify or wherever it is that you listen. If you know someone who wants to start their own business or who has an idea, please make sure you text them this episode. You can tag me on Instagram if you share it in your stories and I'll share some of those to say thank you. Stay tuned for another episode of Dear Found Her coming your way every Tuesday and Thursday.